You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, hey, everybody. Good morning. If I haven't a chance to uh, meet you yet, my name is Jake Box, and I get to uh, serve as the lead pastor here at Midtown Church. And so glad that you're joining us, whether that is via Zoom or here in the room at Baker. Again, it's, it's just great to be with you today, especially today we're, we're wrapping up the series we've been in for the last couple of weeks that we've called Altered, and as Justin just said, like it's been basically tracing through some key parts of the Apostle Peter's life and to see how Jesus changed his life. And we, we've been studying Peter because he's very relatable, because though Jesus did completely have a, 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 a you know, profound impact on Peter's life, completely changed his life. Uh, it wasn't without some ups and some downs, some starts and some stops and some restarts and all that. And that's pretty relatable. And then along with this series, uh, again, as you've just seen, we, we've had people sharing from our church family their own story of how Jesus has impacted their life, has changed their life, or is changing their life. And, and that's been a lot of fun to hear. I mean, Stephen, you just did a great job there. Really appreciate you sharing. Uh, Leanne shared, Cameron shared last week. Like the, everyone hearing their stories, it's just so powerful. One of the things I just love about getting to ha- ha- getting to have heard their stories is because they've been so authentic and honest, right? I mean, you don't hear any of them say things like this. Like, look, I was this way, but then I met Jesus, and now I'm this perfect person right? Like everything is great and I'm perfect. I mean, it's like that's just completely unrealistic. It's not true. And no one is putting on that kind of false face. It's actually one of the things I love most about Midtown is that the people here are really genuine. We don't feel like a need to pretend. And you see that in, their, in these stories that people have been sharing because they will say, look, when I met Jesus, like everything didn't just turn out all right. And I still, like he had a lot of work still to do in my life. And, and yet they also can say, but he really has had this profound impact on me. He really is changing me. And man, there's just something powerful about getting to hear someone say that, right? I mean, it makes me want, <laughs> it makes me want to have someone share their story every single Sunday, right? Would that be, would that be cool? Of course, if you, you look around, like, that means you'd be up one of these Sundays, not, not too long. I don't know if you're cool with that, right? I wonder if I asked you, hey, well, if, would you share about how Jesus has changed or is changing your life? What would you say? Would you say, yes, I'm happy to share that? Or would you think, man, I don't, I don't really know what I would talk about. Now, if you're here and you're just like exploring faith in Christ or you don't really know, trust Jesus yet, then of course it'd be fair for you to say, hey, I think I'll pass. I don't think I'm ready to tell you how Jesus changed my life yet. Hopefully that, that does happen. But uh, did you, let me I'll let you in on a little secret. Uh, if you feel that way and you're just exploring faith in Christ, it might surprise you to know that actually a lot of Christians feel that way too. A lot of Christians, sometimes when they look at their life, they think about, if I'm going to tell a story of how Jesus changed my life, they, they, they think, I don't know really what I would say. Do you know that? Christians, can you, can you relate to that? Not everyone can relate to that, but a lot, I know that a lot of y'all relate to that because I ask a lot of people to share their story. And what I hear often when I ask people to share their story is, I, I, you know, like, I just don't really, I don't have one of those, like, really, like, neat, 
compelling life change stories. Like, I, I just don't really know if it would be real helpful if I shared my story because, like, it wasn't this radical thing that Jesus did in my life. And I can't really say, like, I was this way and then Jesus and then now this. It's like, I don't really have a story to share. Now, here's the thing. If you are in Christ, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, we all have that story to share. It's just not the kind of story that we think about sharing. But in the Ephesians study that we did prior to the Altered series, we called it the New series, but now it's weird to call that the New series. But anyways, in that series in Ephesians, we were talking about that we all have that story. It's the change that Jesus has brought into our lives the moment we put our faith in him. That for as a Christian, everyone has a story like this. I once was condemned in my sin. But then I came to know and trust in Jesus. And I was forgiven and I was set free from the penalty of my sin and I inherited his righteousness and now before God I am accepted and blameless. I was this, then Jesus, and now this. That's your story. Or you could tell this story. I once was an enemy of God. But then when I came to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for me, and how even when I was his enemy, he loved me so much that he died in my place, then I became the beloved child of God, and I was adopted into his family. That's your story. That's a radical life change story that happened immediately when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. However, that's not the kind of story that we often think about telling, is it? If I was to tell you, like, will you tell your story how Jesus changed your life? You're like, well, I don't, I don't, that's not where our mind goes. Where our mind usually goes is, when, is to something like, um, well, how's Jesus changing my behaviors? How am I changing as a person? My attitudes or my character, how, how is that changing? And we start evaluating, like, what kind of impact does Jesus have in my life in those arenas? And sometimes, and more, probably more times than we like to acknowledge, we think, man, I don't know if I can really identify that. I mean, nothing, like, concrete. Like, sometimes I could see how he's changing me, but then sometimes I, see, I feel like I just go back to the same way <laughs> I once was. And the change that Jesus is bringing to my character and to my behaviors, to my attitudes, it just feels sometimes so incremental or maybe non-existent or non-linear, at least. It's like up and then down. And, and that can get discouraging for us, right? Because we want to believe that Jesus can and he is changing our lives. But when you look at it, you think, man, I don't, uh, sometimes can't really see it. Now, why is that? Well, let me tell you why. It's because Jesus changes our character and our actions, our attitudes, our behaviors, as we rely on what he has given us. Now, Jesus changes our character, attitudes, and behaviors as we rely on what he has given us. Meaning, when we rely on what he's already given us, change takes place. But when we forget or we fail to rely on what he has given us, we will revert back to our old ways. And that's why behavior change, character change, can feel very incremental and it can feel very nonlinear. And sometimes it can feel altogether absent. Why? 
because we have a role to play. We do have a role to play. Now, a role isn't to create the ability to change, but it's to rely on the one who's given us everything we need to change. See, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9 says this. Let me just read it for us. It says, his divine power, God's divine power has, hear this, given us everything we need for a godly life. That's a big statement, right? We have all we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has, there it is again, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil, evil desires. And then verse 5 says, for this very reason, this reason being that he has given us everything we need to live a godly life. For this very reason, make every effort. Like you have a role to play. Make every effort to add to your faith, your reliance on God and what he's given you. To add to your faith, goodness and to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control and to self-control, perseverance. And perseverance, godliness and to godliness, mutual affection and mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, like if these things are becoming more and more true of you, that you're changing, like Stephen was talking about before, like you're changing, your character's changing. If this is true of you, then here's what will happen. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, verse 9, whoever does not have them, meaning these character changes, this growing, uh, becoming more like Jesus, don't have that happening in your life. If you don't have them, they then, uh, if you don't have them, is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. You've forgotten what Jesus has given you. See, in other words, if you're not seeing Jesus change your life, your character, your behavior, your attitudes. It's because you have forgotten what he's done for you. You've forgotten to rely on what he has done for you. You've forgotten to rely on what he has given you, for he has given you everything you need to live a godly life. And so the question is, are you relying on what he's given you, or are you forgetting what he has given you? For Jesus changes our lives, as we rely on what he has already given us. Now, I don't know about you, but like, that probably sounds a little spiritual. Like, let's get practical. Like, what are the, Jake, what are you talking about? All right? And so, let's go back to the Apostle Peter. So we close out this series and look at his life. Because again, as I said, Peter is so relatable. And you see this happen in his life. That when he's relying on what Jesus has given him, his life radically changes. But when he forgets what Jesus has given him, then he reverts back to his old ways. And so I want to give you one example where you see Jesus really changing his life. And one example where you see him forgetting what Jesus has done. And he reverts back to his old ways. Okay? So the first way is the positive way. And we're going to go to the book of Acts for that. Because what we see in the book of Acts is that Jesus changes Peter in a remarkable way as he, Peter, relies on what Jesus has given him. In fact, this is the way he changes. He goes from being uh, afraid of suffering to being courageous in the face of suffering. 
And he has to be courageous because Jesus called him to do something really wild. Him and all the rest of the disciples, and really extends to all of us, all of Jesus' followers. But we see it in Acts chapter 1. Jesus gives him, all of them, this, this big mission to do. That after Jesus dies and rises again, right before he ascends to the Father, he calls the disciples and he says this. I have it for you on the slides. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 says, After his suffering, after Jesus' suffering, meaning his crucifixion, He presented himself to them, to the disciples, and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus goes on to say this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now, I can't, I don't know 100%, but my, I think, and I think it's a fair assumption that when Peter heard Jesus say those words, one of the things that he was saying, he's thinking, um, wait, What? <laughs> What, wait, what, what did you just say, Jesus? I think, did, did, you said we're going to be your, your witnesses starting in Jerusalem and going all the way to the ends of the earth. Like, that's, that sounds a little crazy. And like, you know, if I'm honest, Jesus, I'm, I'm okay with just starting off at the ends of the earth part. I don't really want to start in the Jerusalem part because Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, that's where the religious leaders were that had just crucified Jesus 40 days prior. And so Peter's thinking, like, Jesus, like, can we, can we, maybe, let's do something else, right? I mean, he says, hey, why don't you set up your kingdom now? Let's do that instead. Instead of, like, being a witness, he's like, because the reason I think Peter's thinking this is because we know for sure that Peter was scared to death of the religious leaders. We know that because in John chapter 20, when Jesus rose from the dead, where he found Peter along with the rest of the disciples, was hiding in a locked house. John chapter 20, verse 19 tells us they were hiding in this house, locked the door because of fear of the Jewish religious leaders. See, they were afraid. Peter was afraid of them because they killed Jesus. And if they killed Jesus, then he thought, well, they'll probably come after us. We're Jesus' closest followers. And they're going to come after me, and and they they could arrest me. They could be in prison, or they could flog me, or maybe even kill me, and I don't want that to happen. He's terrified. He's, and it's understandable. He doesn't want to suffer. Who wants to suffer? And then Jesus shows up at that house, appears to them, and, and shows that he's alive. Shows them his hands, shows them his side. They, they're overjoyed. Jesus is alive. And in seeing Jesus alive, man, it's a game changer for them, right? They come out of hiding, but, but they don't hit the streets and start telling everybody about Jesus. Like, that's a step too far. I mean, and now that we won't hide, because look, Jesus is alive. But man, like, now, Jesus, you're saying you're, you're leaving, and you want us to go and be your witnesses in, in Jerusalem where they just killed you? Like, that's terrifying. Jesus knew that. And so that's why he said, hey, wait. Wait, because I got something I'm going to give you. Wait for the Holy Spirit. See, when the Holy Spirit comes... And power, then you can be my witnesses. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit comes in power, fills the disciples, Jesus, Jesus, rest of Jesus' followers, causes a great big scene, crowds gather, 
Peter, scared Peter, walks out, stands up, dresses the crowd. A lot of people call it the very first sermon of the church, the day the church was born. And in it, he says some pretty bold things. In this sermon, he says this. He says, uh, um, Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. Like, listen up, all of Israel. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. Ouch, right? That's a bold statement. Whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. And we're told that through Paul proclaiming the message, having been filled with the Spirit, 3,000 people turned to Jesus on that day. But but Peter's just getting started. Acts chapter 3, he heals this, this lame beggar. Everyone's amazed. Crowds gather again, filled with the Spirit. Peter starts telling everybody again about Jesus. And then in Acts 4, he's still telling everybody about Jesus. And the religious leaders show up. And the thing that Peter feared the most happens. We read about Acts 4. Here's what it says. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees come up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they, these religious authorities, were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail the next, uh, until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to be about 5,000. And the next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem, and Annas the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas and John and Alexander and others of the high priest family. Now, real quick pause. It's worth noting that those were the people that had tried Jesus and saw to it that he was crucified. Like, it's the same people. It's this, this is what Peter feared. If I start telling people about Jesus, Jesus like, they're going to arrest me just like they arrested you. They're going to try me just like they tried you. I could be killed. I could be in prison. That's what was happening here. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. See, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And when they, these religious leaders, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And so they, we keep reading the passage, you see that these religious leaders say, hey, okay, look, look. Just don't tell anyone about Jesus anymore. And Peter says, hey, we're going to obey God and not you. And then they go out and they keep telling people about Jesus. And here's what happens. Peter, Acts 5, thrown in jail. And he's flogged. Gets out. Acts chapter 12, Peter, thrown in jail again. Right after James, one of the other disciples, was killed. He gets out. And he just keeps on 
telling people about Jesus for 30 or so more years, and then he is killed for telling people about Jesus. Now, what in the world caused that change? Scared, hiding, fear of the Jewish leaders, standing up in front of the Jewish leaders declaring that Jesus is the risen Savior through whom they're saved, even whenever it means he's going to be in prison, flogged, and eventually killed. What brought about that change? Well, the book of Acts makes it super clear what brought about that change. It's that Peter was relying on what Jesus had given him, namely the Holy Spirit. That as he relied on the Holy Spirit, he was moved from being fear, afraid, afraid of suffering, to being courageous in the face of suffering. He was fearful, cowering, and, and, and not even wanting to be associated with Jesus, to being loud and, and, and so uh, wanting everyone to know who Jesus is so that they too can be saved. That is radical life change. And it came as Peter relied on what Jesus had given him, the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, I, I just real quick say, like, if you look at your life and say, man, I, I, don't, I don't do that. Like, I, I'm afraid to talk about Jesus. <laughs> I'm afraid to tell my friends about Jesus. I, I don't really, like, I would say, man, if that's happening, I wonder if you're relying on what Jesus has given you. For when you put your faith in Christ, we're all given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, one thing we absolutely know about the Holy Spirit is that he loves making much of Jesus. As we rely on the Spirit, we will be moved to tell people about Jesus. If you're not telling people about Jesus, if you're not seeing that change happening in your life, I would encourage you, rely on the Holy Spirit. He'll bring that change. Now, Peter, he changed in a huge way in, in that way. But like I said earlier, Peter is very relatable because he was not perfect. And there were areas in his life where he didn't rely on what Jesus had given him. And in those moments, we see that he reverts back to how he used to be. There was no evidence of change in his life. And let me tell you the main story where we see that, because it's found in Galatians chapter 2. Now, Galatians chapter 2 is this wild story, because in it, the Apostle Paul, who wrote Galatians, tells us about a time when he had to confront Peter to his face and call him out for being a hypocrite. Let me just read it for you. It's found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. It says, when Cephas, which is, that's just Peter's name in Aramaic, okay, so this is our guy. When, when Cephas or Peter came to Antioch, I, that's Paul, opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, that's Paul's right-hand man in ministry, even Barnabas was led astray. Now, this is a, like I said, this is a pretty amazing account. But here you got like two stalwarts of the faith, two of uh, two apostles, Peter and Paul, and, and Paul's calling out Peter to his face primarily because uh, Peter has changed what lunch table he was eating at. That he was no longer eating with the Gentiles at the church of Antioch. Now, that might not feel like a really big deal to us. So let me give you a little context here because you've got to capture the, the weight of this and you have to understand the context to capture the weight. I'll try to be quick about this. But the, um, 
first of all, it's helpful to know that in the first century, uh, any, uh, any Jew would have found it incredibly surprising that Peter had been eating with Gentiles to begin with. For see, Jews and Gentiles did not eat together, in large part because Jews followed what's known as the clean laws of the Old Testament. And that the clean laws were this like complicated series of regulations that Israelites were to follow in order to be ceremonial, clean, and acceptable in the presence of God in worshiping him. Now, the, the, the ceremonial laws were given by God, and this is helpful to know, they were given by God as a way to teach his people, kind of as a, a sense of an object lesson, teach his people that they could not go into his presence without cleansing. But after Jesus' death and resurrection, God sent Peter a vision to show him that the ceremonial laws were finished. For anyone who was in Jesus was fully cleansed from their sins. And therefore, through Christ, anyone can come to God in worship. And so God sent, uh, and so in Acts 10 and, and 11, we're given this account of how God helped Peter realize this. And then how God sent Peter to the home of the repentant Gentile, Cornelius, where, having, where Peter shares the gospel with him, and Cornelius and his family believe it, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and Peter realizes, like, God has even come to the Gentiles, that Jesus even died for the Gentiles, and even the Gentiles now can be restored to God. And it's this, like, huge moment in Peter's life. It changes his life. And it also uh, it was a great moment for all of us because it's how the gospel advanced to the Gentile world, where most of us are Gentiles, so we should be happy about that too. But this was a big moment for Peter, okay? It completely changed, completely changed things for him. And as a result of what God's shown him, specifically that no one is unclean who is in Christ, he began eating with Gentiles, fellowshiping with Gentiles, going to their homes and hanging out at, and, uh, with them. But then here in Galatians 2, we have this account of Peter hypocritically withdrawing from eating with the Gentiles in Antioch. And as a result, Paul says, it causes even more Jews to join in on his hypocrisy and it causes division within this church. Jews no longer fellowshipping with Gentiles. And it's a big deal. Now, why did Peter go back to his old ways? Well, Paul tells us in verse 12, it says it was because Peter was afraid. Specifically, he was afraid that he would lose the approval or the acceptance of the Jews that had come to visit the church of Antioch. See, Peter found himself really caring about what those people thought of him. And so he went back to his old way of doing things in order to please them, which began to undermine, like I said, the, the unity within this church. And so the Apostle Paul would not stand for that. So he calls Peter out. In verse 14 of chapter 2, he, he calls him out for this, not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. For Paul realized that Peter had forgotten something incredibly important. And so he calls Peter out basically saying, Peter, buddy, hey, you've forgotten the gospel. You've forgotten that God has fully accepted you, not on the basis of what you have done or where you are from, your race or your nationality. No, we have fellowship with God on the basis of what Jesus has done for us. 
which means that you can know that you are accepted by God based on what Jesus has done for you. And so you think that these, these guys that showed up, you care about what they think of you? You need to remember what God thinks of you. In his opinion, his opinion of you trumps their opinion, which frees you to, to not be enslaved by their opinion. And it also frees you to extend fellowship to these Gentile brothers and sisters just because for the same reason that God extended fellowship to you, not on the basis of race and nationality, but because of what Jesus has done. See, he, Paul, lovingly but necessarily calls Peter to realign his life with the gospel message that Peter had forgotten what he had received in Jesus. And when he did, he reverted back to his old ways. See, when we do not rely on what we've been given in Jesus, we, we won't change. We, we'll, we'll eventually, we, we'll, we'll just revert back to where, what, where we once were, how we were once living. We've got to rely. We change behaviors, attitudes, character changes as we rely on what Jesus has given us. That's Peter's story. And friends, that's your story too. And friends, that's why, as I said at the beginning, why we have a hard time when we start thinking about how is Jesus changing our life, we, we have a hard time making it fit this pattern that for some reason we, we think our lives are supposed to fit in this pattern where it's like, okay, I was this way, and then I met Jesus, and now I'm this way. That's not how it happens when it comes to our life change. That's not the normal process. I have heard some stories like that, but it's not the normal the normal process is I struggled with this. Then I met Jesus and I realized what all that he's done for me and what he's given me. And now when I am relying on that, when I'm embracing that, when I am trusting that, when I'm living in light of that, I am like this. I change. But when I forget, I'm still like this. <laughs> That's our story. Is that not our story? Like, I'm telling you, that's my story personally. Like, I, all my life, I have really struggled with caring deeply about what other people think of me. Wanting their acceptance, trying to earn their approval. And I could trace over and over and over again in my life where that, like, you see that theme show up again. Started in middle school. Big deal for me. I had to be, I had to be into the cool crowd. And so I had to do anything I could to earn their acceptance and their approval. And I could tell you stories. There, some of them are really funny and a lot of them are cringeworthy. But things that I did to try to earn their acceptance, to earn their approval. But then... In middle school, God, by his grace, brought friends into my life that loved him a lot more than I loved God. And they loved me as I was, and they helped me realize that Jesus does too. In fact, they helped me realize that the reason they loved me as I was was because Jesus loves me as I am. And in that acceptance, I found in them and then eventually in Jesus, I was freed from all the striving and the stress of trying to be in that one crowd. And I wish I could say from that moment on, I was set free. But then it showed up again and again. And yet each time Jesus re reworked in my life. And then 
I planted Midtown Church. I helped start this church. And all of a sudden, that came all the way back to the surface. And all, I really cared about looking good in the eyes of our church and the, and, and the eyes of our neighbors and friends that we're trying to get connected to our church. And it's like stressful. And the joy of serving Jesus is gone because I'm just trying to like please people. But thankfully, as I spent time with God, he started working on me and showing me where I was out of line with the gospel. And through time with God, through listening to the Spirit, and by listening to my awesome wife, puts up with me so well, I was realigned with the truth that I don't have to try to get acceptance in the eyes of people. Because of what Jesus has done for me, I am already acceptable to God himself. And now I get to serve him out of joy, not to try to prove something, but because of what I've already been given Now I'm compelled to serve, not to get something from them, but to give something. It's amazing. It's changed. Changes me and my joy. My my joy is there. My stress is so much lower. I would like to say gone completely, but I haven't yet been completed in Christ. But it does drop hugely. Friends, that's your story. I struggle with this. But then Jesus, and as I realize what I've been given in him, And when I live in light of that, then I change. But when I forget, I go back to the same. Now, here's why what I'm saying matters. I'll try to sum it up real quick for us here. It is because, first of all, this really is how we change. If you want to change to become more like Christ in your character, your attitude, your behaviors, You need to know it's not just by trying harder. But you do have a role to play. Relying on what he has given you. That's how we change. And here's what that means. It means you need to know what he's given you. And I don't have time right now to go through the list of all the things that you've been given in Christ. But let me hit three real quick. The first is that God has given you himself. That Jesus has given you his very life. And in that, which we summarize in the gospel, in that, that the gospel message, God, God has given us the multitudes, right? He's given us so much. He's given us reason for acceptance and approval and peace and, and love and, and joy and like all these things we've been given in Christ based on what he has done in giving his life for us. And guys, this is what this means is that you need to continue to grow in your understanding of what you've been given in Christ when he gave his life for you and was risen again. And one thing, just a resource for you, that has truly helped me in that area is this little book, A Gospel Primer for Christians. And in it, it's just 30 different meditations of things that, of ways that the gospel impacts your life, what Jesus has given you and what kind of change you can make in your life. I highly recommend this book. And if you would like it, I have a couple of copies of it. Let me know and I'll get it to you, okay? But you need to grow in your knowledge of what Jesus has given you. And first one is growing your knowledge of what it means that he's given you his life for you. The second thing that he's given you that's really worth pointing out is that he's given you his spirit. And just like we saw the radical change of, of, of Peter's life as Jesus gave him his spirit, like he, we have been given the spirit. And the question is, are you, are you relying on the spirit? Matt did a great job talking about that a few weeks ago, about the importance of slowing down and not getting distracted by this all the time. 
so that we can listen to the Spirit. And guys, let me tell you, one of the best ways to rely on and listen to the Spirit is by being in the Word. Where the Spirit can show us, reveal to us the very words of God and transform our minds, renew our minds to make us more like Christ. Are you in the Word? Are you relying on the Spirit? Are you listening to the Spirit? This is one of the greatest things we've been given in Christ, and it will lead to life change. And then the third thing that will help, that's worth knowing that Jesus has given us, is that he has given us the church. He's given you, the other people in this room, and on Zoom. He's given you people that we need to help remind us what Jesus has given us, and to call us out like Paul did to Peter and say, hey, you're not living in line with the gospel and lovingly, but graciously and necessarily say, hey, 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 remember what Jesus has given you? You don't have to live that way. Remember Jesus? Remember what you have in him? We need people in our lives who do that. When we're in depth of community, where we've opened our lives to them, and they know, and they have words, uh, the ability to speak into our lives, and we have access to their lives, and we can speak into their lives, we need that. It's one of the best things that Jesus has given us. He's given us his life. He's given us the Spirit. He's given us the church. That will help you change as you rely on what he has given you. Okay? Now, I have a lot more that I'd like to say on this. But I'm not going to talk longer than Matt did a few weeks ago. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up on this. But hey, let me tell you, if I'm talking about some stuff that you, <laughs> love you, buddy. If I'm talking about some stuff that you're like, I want to know more about that, I would love to talk to you about it. Because I, I actually wrote pages more that I would love to talk to you about that. But that because this is what's really awesome. So when you start recognizing that this is how Jesus changes you, then you start seeing Jesus changing you. You start being able to recognize, okay, when I am relying on what Jesus has done for me, I do change. But it's not permanent. <laughs> because sometimes I forget, and I don't change. And when I can see that, with how I'm being changed, where I'm able to say no to temptation, or I'm able to not worry, or I'm able to feel secure, or I'm able to be less selfish, you start seeing that as you rely on Jesus, then that helps you say, okay, Jesus really just changed me. And it reinforces the need to continue to rely on him to see that change continue instead of forgetting and reverting back to your old way. So see it and be encouraged. Jesus can change you and wants to change you, is able to change you, rely on what he's given you, and you will change because you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. Don't be nearsighted and don't be blind. Don't forget that you've been cleansed by your past sin. Instead, rely on him. He's given you, and you will change. And as you change, one of the things that also enables you to do is to talk about it, to be his witness, and to say to your friends, hey, look, I think you're struggling with, I struggle with that too. But I have found in Jesus something that really helps me change. Can I tell you about that? Again, love to tell you more about how you can, this leads us to tell more about, tell more people about Jesus, but it all comes down to this. Are you relying on what Jesus has given you? Are you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we look to you to change us, to make us more like Christ. Thank you for your great, great and precious promises that we have been given everything we need, life and godliness. 
God, will you help us rely on that, to believe that, to embrace it, to live in light of what we've been given in Jesus, that we would change to be more like him, that our behaviors, our attitudes, or that our character would change. God, we trust that you're able to do that. Help us rely. And God, help us identify, even this week, ways that you have been changing us, that we could give you the praise for that, and then we can look for opportunities to talk about Jesus and the impact he's having on our life with our friends, too, that they, too, can know him and find life, eternal life, abundant life in him, as we have. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, we want to sing your praises now. Be honored in our time. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.